Is that what I'm saying? Rough trade radio. 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 And welcome back to the Rough Trade podcast. This week, it's a five to one double whammy as I chat to Max Jury on his second album and discuss working, living and loving with a renewed clarity. I also caught up with Wen Young on their debut album, Leaving Ireland and Navigating a New City. In amongst all this, of course, we have some new songs to play you. So stay fully tuned. First up, though, Ty Seagal and new single Taste. If this doesn't wake your ears up, then I don't know what will. That was Ty Seagal. New album First Taste is out in August and promises to be full of high energy jams. I've completely lost count of how many albums Ty has released. Seems to be something like every six months or so, but it is very, very, very welcome. 
So next, a Dublin quintet with a brilliantly menacing, thumping and entrancing new single. You might have heard our other favourite Dublin quintet, of course, Fontaine's DC, speaking fondly of this very band when I chatted to them back in April. I am, of course, talking about The Murder Capital, who released Green and Blue this week on 12-inch. This one is definitely one to snap up and their full-length debut is coming in August and I can't bloody wait. So yeah, here's Green and Blue.
That was The Murder Capital. Next and Max Jury released Modern World this week, the follow-up to his critically acclaimed 2016 debut. He spoke to me for 5 to 1. 5 to 1, baby. So, Max, welcome to the Rough Trade Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good. Yeah, I'm really good. So, your new album is called Modern World, yes. and it's pitched as an antidote to the onslaught of contemporary life. So, dealing with themes like friendship, um, and also people waking up and kind of seeing each day more clearly than they might otherwise have done so before. Correct. Um, so, some very like relatable and re- relevant topics um, in there. Would you say that these themes were kind of the foundation on what you wanted to build your second record on? Yeah, very much so. Um, you know, I, uh, my first record felt a bit, uh, for me, it felt very like indebted to telling stories and, and singing songs that are kind of related to the past. Mm. And it was an introspective record in that sense, but very much focused on not only musically themes of the past, but also just like personally things that have happened in my past. And for this record, I I wanted it to be very much more in the present, kind of both sonically and and what I'm dealing with in in, in my personal life. Um, Those kind of themes, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I, um, you know, this is the first music that I've made as a sober person. And I think that the influence for for a lot of the record was that exactly like you said, that kind of like waking up to reality, being like, oh, my God, like, okay, this is Mm. it now Mm. that I've quit drinking. And yeah. So in that sense, would you say maybe the record, like writing it and recording it was sort of a therapy in a sense, like it allowed you to kind of reflect a lot on where you had come from and where you were going toward? Absolutely. I mean, it was totally, I mean, not to use a cheesy word, but cathartic kind of. It was just like, it was very much, because it wasn't like, it wasn't written in the throes of like Mm. alcoholism or a bender. It was very much written in that period afterwards where it's like, how do I learn to kind of live my life again and kind of rebuild relationships and and patch friendships and like be comfortable with myself again? in this kind of new era of my life. Mm. yeah. Do you think this is something that is very relatable? I mentioned that I think it is relatable to kind of young people today or just people generally maybe with an increased awareness on like mental health and just kind of stepping back sometimes and not getting sucked into how sped up life can be, particularly with things like social media and, yeah. and the press. Yeah. Absolutely. I think so. And like, I'm all, you know, like I always see articles on like, you know, on Facebook or something like some, I think there was some GQ article about sober musicians. And I think that, um, and you know, I, I'm not like, um, how do I say this? You know, I'm not like a judgmental sober person. Like everybody's on their own journey, doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. This was best for me. Maybe something else is best for somebody else. Um, but I have noticed kind of, you know, like, an uptick in, 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 in people kind of reflecting about, you know, maybe like, especially in this industry, you know, when you get like paid in like a 24 pack of Heineken, it's just like very yeah. easy to fall into the traps of that. Yeah. And so I think people are, are, are very aware about their mental health um, and kind of the impact that, that drinking and, and drug use has on that. And yeah, absolutely. So I think it's relevant in that sense because I, I feel like I can feel like a lot of people and other musicians that are, are kind of going through the same process mm. and, and, and kind of coping with all that stuff. Mm. So though it's a very personal kind of comment on your own journey, it's also creating this kind of, alongside it, awareness for other people that either maybe have experienced similar things or just don't think that, you know, behind the scenes, any of that goes on. They just want to see what they see on stage or what they see when they hear yeah, the album. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, like I said, it's not like a PSA for not 
drinking or not doing drugs, but it's just like, I, I wanted to be open about everything. Like, I just think it's healthier to be open about um, just mm. overall mental health and like, you know, just to kind of like, so everybody can just kind of together get to a better place. Yeah. Um, musicians and fans and whatever alike, so yeah. So moving on a little to to the music and the, mm. the sound of the record. Totally. Um, it's very much moved on from your debut. Yes, it has. Um, it's evolved a lot. Um, I wondered if that was always your plan or I know you're very inspired by your producer, yeah. um, Robin Hannibal, while working on, I think it was your first single, Sweet Lie. Yeah. Did you kind of write that song and thought it was going to sound a certain way and then he came on board and kind of said, well, how about you do it this way? And then did that kind of launch maybe how the entire record has come to sound overall? Totally. I mean, like, I don't think it's quite uh, that black and white, but a little, a kind of a little bit of mm. all of that. Like, I knew that after making my first record, I didn't necessarily want to be a, like, a, you know, a one-dimensional artist. I wanted to do something with my second record that kind of progressed my sound or evolved my sound. And I was a bit kind of, to be honest, bored of this, like, myth of kind of, you know, the sad male singer-songwriter and his mm. acoustic guitar. And I was like, you know what, if I have to do that for 20 years, like, I don't want to do that for 20 years. Like, <laughs> I want to do something different. And so I made the conscious decision to, to work with Robin because I really liked what he did with Rye and Quadrant and all these kind of little projects that he had been associated with. And um, I didn't really have any expectations going into our first session. I was just like, you know, I'm going to try to do what I do and, and see what, you know, his thoughts on the whole thing. And and so we started writing this song and it was just like me at the roads, kind of going away at it, doing something similar to what I would normally do. And he kind of had all these different suggestions with the drum machine and like kind of having this like, not really Afrobeat, but like pseudo kind of Tony Allen thing going. And, mm -hmm. and you know, I, I thought that it worked and I wanted to do something that like, because I'd been making music that was so internalized and, and that was cool, but I wanted to do something that felt more like physical or external, like something that like when I played it live could mm. could be a bit more involving, like Yeah, I was gonna wise. say it would really transform your life performances. Yeah, exactly. And I and I did want to do that. So so yeah, and then like we really hit it off and we had a lot of like common influences like I'm really into you know like yacht rock and kind of all these like too slow to disco 70s things and he was too and we're like well we should try to make a record that's that's kind of like that um and so yeah we hit it off and he agreed to do the full record and we just you know took about six months <laughs> and just, you know just let it happen but. and it was a beautiful relationship <laughs> yeah and it was the start of a beautiful friendship <laughs> um I think you said in the the press release that I read earlier that yeah. um, you wrote over a hundred songs in that period. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, there it, there was a lot. You know, I was writing daily, and I was doing both like by myself, and I was taking some writing sessions too, just to try to like you know broaden my perspective or my horizons. And I think like by the time I actually like, you know, there was a point where I was like just kind of writing and writing and writing. Then I was like, you know what? I just, I have to stop this. Like there are so many songs in mm. this Dropbox folder <laughs> and there are so many terrible songs in this Dropbox <laughs> folder. Like, let's just pick 10 or we like, cause you could, I could do this for like, I mean, we could do this for like three years, yeah. just writing and writing and writing, but it's time to like, you know, get on with it and make the yeah. records. So um, there are a lot of songs out there that will never see the light of day. Okay. But I mean, I don't know. I picked the 10 that I thought worked well together. Okay. Um, yeah. You did have some incredible musicians work with you this time yeah. as well. Did that, has that really transformed the sound and the way you work as well? Yeah, I think so. I think this album was more collaborative than my other recordings have been in the past. Um, you know, they're just, they're kind of the group of people that, that Robin uses frequently. Um, there's a guitar player named Joel Van Dyke, um, who's like a very kind of multifaceted, talented kind of guitar player. And he helped, I think, you know, because normally I'll play most of like the rhythm guitar parts myself mm -hmm. or like if, if we need a solo, like, you know, call in the big guns, like <laughs> we, need, we need that shredding solo. Um, but yeah, so him like handling all the guitar was really helpful because I'm like, I'm just not a very good guitar player. Just like I play pretty lazy. So that was really good. Um, Thomas Drayton played bass and he was exceptional bass player. 
um, and he helped. He he did some co-writing with me as well, um, which was really great to have his kind of perspective on things. Um, yeah, he's very very like musically adept and yeah, amazing. Um, there was a background singer named Tira Lockhart Church that mm-hmm. like we kind of. Um, you know, like my first record had a lot of these kind of like gospel vocals on it. Um, that was a little bit of like, you know, the USP of the first record. <laughs> um, but this record, I was like, I really wanted to try like basically like we're singing together on a lot of parts, like the same notes and doubling it in a lot of different sections. So it's almost like we're kind of blending our voices as one okay. in a way that like you can't really tell, which I thought was like an interesting technique to try. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of things where we're just singing the exact same part, doubling each other all over the record. And she's really, really gifted and was like great fun to have in the studio. Um, this, the person who arranged the strings, her name's Amy um, Doherty. She was, she's from Ireland. She like works in kind of like television generally. So mm-hmm. this, I don't know if this was her first like pop record she did, but um, she was great. Uh, I kind of had an idea with what I wanted to do with the strings, but obviously I'm not like talented enough to like put it on paper and organize it all. But mm. but she kind of like took the vision that I had <laughs> in, in my head and, and turned it into into real music. So she was very great. Who else played? A drummer named Bill Campbell from New York was really, really talented. Um, you know, he was like, we had like we had all these demos and we had kind of like these electronic beats that we had built up with the demos but i was like i you know i think we should have real drums on the record obviously yeah. and so he kind of just like played versions of these electronic beats we built up on the drums which i thought was really cool i was like how is this going to work that's going to be impossible <laughs> but nice job bill and then my friend nolan who's like my roommate in la played a lot of guitar as well oh, um awesome. some writing um he's a really talented dude and yeah then me and Robin just kind of like faked our way through the rest. And you're going to be touring. Yes. And you're coming back to the UK, I think, in June. Yeah. Um, so we're really excited about taking this album to the live stage and how I think we spoke about earlier. Yeah. How differently it might be for you to perform these songs yeah. as opposed to your previous material. Um, I'm excited to see how the audience will react. I am excited. Fans will respond. I am excited to see. It's it's you know. It's going to be interesting, I think, because, you know, I might do a little, like, standing and singing, you know, <laughs> a little, like, crooner vibe. Um, I don't know. But it is going to be interesting. It's going to be a totally different kind of concert than than I was playing on my first record. But at the same time, I'm still going to play, you know, some old songs yeah. and, and mix it up. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm both excited and a bit nervous because I still kind of have to figure everything out in my head about how I want to present it. But mm-hmm. um, we're getting there. I think it should be good. Yeah. It's interesting, actually. I've never really thought about it in that way before where you put out your first record and I guess that's everybody's instant impression and assumption about you and maybe how you're going to move forward. Yeah. So to come out with a second record and it's different in its sound and kind of how you might yourself stand and listen to it, like you might dance to it this time or whatever. um, That's quite interesting because I guess you must, everybody's kind of prejudged you already and it's on their expectation of what you're going to come out and do. Yeah, they. I, I mean, I think that is the case. And, like, of course, that's a very normal thing to do, I think. But, you know, I mean, I just, yeah. I think it. I think it's... I just didn't want to make the first record again. No. Um, and there's, like, a Joni Mitchell quote that's, like, you know, they're going to crucify you if you make the same record and they're going to crucify you if you change. So yeah. you might as well change. Yeah, and, it's so true. Yeah. So finally, just before we wrap up, sure. I just wanted to ask you about a favorite track from the album if you possibly have one and whether you could pick one that we can play in the show today. I think my favorite song is a song called Gone just because it's the most, I mean, I spent the most time recording the vocals for it. I think it's the most musically adventurous. Like of all the songs, I feel like that that is has like, not that other songs don't have something new to say, but that to me is like, this is something that doesn't quite exist in the world and this mm. is a new statement and I don't know if people are going to like it, but at least to me that that's, that's interesting that, that we accomplished that. Um, and then the song I want to play is a song called Stillness, which, um, yeah, I think it's got a sick bass line and well, might as well play it. I don't know. Cool. Max, thank you so, so much. Um, good luck with the record. And uh, yeah, thank you. Cool. Thank you.
Thank you to Max, such a lovely person and super inspiring to chat to. Modern World is out now via Marathon and very, very excellent it is too. More music to play you now and Shura is back with a new album in August. Forever, spelt F-O-R-E-V-H-E-R, soundtracks Shura's journey as an artist and young woman. I discovered Shura back in 2016 when she released her single Too Shy um, ahead of her debut album and I was so obsessed with it. I would listen to it, it would finish and i just immediately play it again. Um, does anyone else do that where you just listen to one song solidly to death for about a week? Um, anyway, I did it with Shura so safe to say I'm excited for this one too um, and we also have it on Rough Trade exclusive blue and white haze vinyl which sounds super sexy um, and yeah, that's up for pre-order now and here is one from it. It's called Religion, You Can Lay Your Hands On Me. One vision No one's 
Shura and on to our second five to one of the week. Man, you guys are being spoiled. Um, I spoke to London violin Wen Young on releasing their debut album and getting comfy in the city. So, Wen Young, welcome to the Rough Day podcast. Hello, thank Hello. you for having us. That's all right. Do you want to introduce yourselves, maybe just so that people know who's chatting? Yeah, I'm Aoife. And I'm Drew. Cool. Um, we're missing Niall today, but you have us too. Uh, what's Niall up to today? Uh, he um, he got stuck in Manchester after neighbourhood. He never came home. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. He's still stuck there. His girlfriend lives up there. Oh, so. uh, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. So you've had a busy weekend then. You're just telling me that you've been doing some festivals up in the north of England. Yeah, we, we were playing Saturday in Newcastle. We were playing This Is Tomorrow. And on Sunday we played in Warrington for Neighbourhood Weekend Festival. Okay. Is that the first time you've played up there? No, we did Neighbourhood last year actually. Okay. Um, And we played in Newcastle a few times in Think Tank. Uh-huh. But it, yeah, it was her first time at that festival. Yeah. I think it's quite a new festival. Okay. Uh, but yeah, they were both really yeah. good. Newcastle, unfortunately, was really wet. Oh, no. And we were on an outdoor stage. Oh, no. So it was hard to get everyone going. Yeah. But uh, it, it was still fun. It was yeah, good. yeah. Sometimes I feel like people give the extra effort when the weather is shit because they're like, there's nothing we can do. Yeah. yeah. Like, gather together. <laughs> so not so Strength bad. Strength loads. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, your debut album was released on the Friday just gone, so on the 24th of May. It's called Reasons to Dream. Um, before we chat about that, I just wanted to rewind a bit and maybe chat about how you guys came together. I mm-hmm. think you met, did you meet in a bar in Limerick? But yeah, when we were like underage teenagers. Okay. And Limerick is a pretty small city um, and doesn't really have a massive, I suppose like indie alternative music scene. So if you're into that kind of stuff, there's only a few places to go to. Okay. So there was this bar that my sister used to go to and she liked the same kind of music. So when I um, got a fake idea, me and my friend would go (laughs) and we kind of like bumped into the guys around that time and we all started going there together. Yeah, and I guess we got to experience like new music that way kind of together and through each other and that's kind of how our bond was kind of created yeah. it was all over music and were you playing in different bands at the time no no not really just like in our bedrooms and yeah. stuff and never really did the band thing that much always kind of dreamed of doing it but yeah never really did it until we actually got, got together yeah and did you form because you moved to london yeah just yeah. sort of sometime later did you form as a band before you moved to london or did you come together when you were all living here no it was when we moved to london Niall moved first and then andy moved after and then i moved like just what was supposed to be just for the summer mm. and they had already kind of started playing together and they were like oh do you want to join and yeah we were just like we first started playing in a band called sisters and so immediately like two weeks in we just started booking shows and playing awful gigs all over <laughs> London <laughs> yeah anyway and we kind of just <laughs> grew that way and then at like three years ago almost is it three years two and a half yeah, years two ago and a half, three, yeah. we uh we like changed our name to when yeah. young. We felt like we'd kind of uh, had your test run. Yeah, it was like a bit yeah. of a renaissance. Yeah. And we were like, okay. Yeah. Was it quite a good experience kind of like doing, as you said, like maybe not so great gigs and yeah. kind of just yeah. getting that live experience and then looking at kind of 
reintroducing yourselves as more of a formed band? I think for us, yeah, like we just, and yeah, it wasn't very strategic, I suppose. A lot of people develop under wraps and then come out and they're all like, oh, where did they come from? Mm. But like we, we weren't clever enough to do that. <laughs> <laughs> we just did it our own way. I definitely think it was. Yeah, I mean, we're, not, wor- we're not it, ashamed. Yeah, it worked for us in that, like, you know, we we kind of developed musically mm. between each job. other on the job, kind of like, yeah. and yeah. just learned how, you know, just basic things like how equipment works and, you know, how shows yeah. work. And yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it worked for us. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's all the stuff that people don't think about when they think about a band forming. Yeah. They yeah. just assume that you just know all that already. Yeah, I remember the first gig we played and some, I think it was like somewhere in Camden and uh, the monitor engineer, the the same person told me about the monitors and I had no idea what the monitor was. And just like, that's how <laughs> innocent and stupid we Aww. were. <laughs> yeah, we've come a long way. Yeah, <laughs> but as you, exactly, as you say, it's how you learn. Yeah. So your album, you've described as a presentation of collective experiences while living in London. Yeah. Um, I guess like anyone navigating a new city, some experiences are really positive and some are really negative. Yeah. Would you say that you experienced times that were really tough, but m- did they kind of push you forward to to really going for it and working harder? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think we, a lot of times, were quite lost and wondering what we were doing. Mm. You know, we didn't really like know many people and we were like playing in a band and trying to make it work. But um, yeah, like struggling and working like crappy day jobs and being yeah. really poor. And yeah, when those things happen, you just, you don't really know what you're about. But we had like this creative vision and we, we knew we wanted to get to a place where like we were better musicians and able to like really write songs that we were proud of. So we just mm. kept working like fools, I suppose, yeah. like kept yeah. doing it. I think on the, other, on the other side of the coin though, there's, there are there's oh, like inspiration on every corner in London yeah. and so creatively there is that and I think especially the first couple of years we lived here like every day was just exciting mm. um, getting to know new places and meet people and also the amount of creatives that live in London yeah you could kind of feed off like you know videographers or photographers or you know other people in different uh, arms of kind of the creative industry that kind of all come together and keep each other going in different ways. Mm. That that was really helpful and inspiring for us because it was yeah. something we'd never experienced before. Yeah. Just like the the saturation of creativity in the city was definitely yeah. a strong uh, one of the bigger biggest reasons that we kept going when at I times think, we didn't really know. Yeah. I think like if we had been in Limerick or like in well not, maybe not Dublin but if we had been in Limerick and if we had been doing the same thing mm. and gigging and gigging and gigging we probably would have given up easier because yeah here there's just so many people who are like struggling and but like still have that belief but maybe we would have yeah I think just yeah it helps being part of a, a kind of a community yeah I was going to ask you how different you feel this album would have been if it had been created back home as opposed to here, but I guess from what you said, like London has entirely informed and kind of shaped and grown you as yeah. a band. Yeah, it's given yeah. us a lot of freedom. Yeah, just being like anonymous and being able to get on with that and not feel judged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a, it's become a, a good a, like a healthy mix of our Irish upbringing and our I don't know our London blossoming or something yeah. I don't know you know it's like <laughs> it's a it's a nice like amalgamation between those two things yeah. that I think maybe gives us a slightly different edge yeah I had um I had Fontaine's DC in here a few weeks ago and we got on to talking about the Irish music scene yeah. and there seems to be just this kind of explosion of all these bands that are coming through like yourselves and the Murder Capital Just Mustard and obviously mm-hmm. Girl Band I think are releasing new music yeah. this year yeah do you feel like incredibly proud to be part of such an amazing group of bands or do you feel slightly different because you formed everything in London and you're not still back there? I, I think, I mean, we'd love to feel part of that because they are such great bands, but I think, like, I mean, press-wise, we never seem to get mentioned with those kind of bands. I think people don't really realise we're Irish or mm. maybe because it's the type of music as well, like yeah. that kind of music it kind of separates it, but we're, we're super proud. And it's great that the Irish scene is getting a bit of light shone on it because 
like there there have been great bands in Ireland for a long time and sometimes they don't quite make it mm. overseas. Yeah. And like whatever reason that is, like they're, they're definitely good enough. And some, but so like I think for a band like Fontaine's, they've really like, um, yeah, like made the Irish scene um, like. I think, I think they've yeah. just stopped. They've, it's, it's stopped being overlooked now. Yeah. Mm. Uh, which, yeah, which a lot of it is down to, yeah, bands like, like you've mentioned. What's it like going back to Ireland and playing now that, you know, you've put an album out and there's much more awareness about you guys? Is it, is it exciting? Do you feel a really yeah. great welcome when you go home? Yeah, yeah we, it's, we played it's in cool. Dublin a few weeks ago and that was really, really good, really brilliant, yeah. Really good response. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I guess we kind of like, we we seem to have like this exotic edge. <laughs> when we go back home, people yeah, are like, yeah. "What would the the London Irish band?" Yeah, yeah. Which I think I guess it's in our favour. Um, but yeah, it it'll be nice. We obviously the album only came out a couple of days ago, so it will be nice to go back mm-hmm. and play there now that the album's out. And I think there's still a lot of people in Ireland that uh, haven't come across us yet. We we've done well in like Dublin and I guess in the big towns and like obviously at home in Limerick mm. but yeah I think we've still got a long way to go in yeah. Ireland we're going to do we're doing a f- couple of festivals there this summer and then we'll be doing it like a headline tour there in October yeah so it'd yeah it'd be nice it, to play there yeah like, it'd be fun properly yeah, yeah we're doing doing some big venues. venues which would be which would be cool that'd yeah. be really cool just back to when we are discussing about the album and your shared experiences I yeah. think I've read that Eva used to be a gardener yeah <laughs> and while that was happening or after you finished doing that, the Grenfell tragedy happened and you wrote a song called The Others, which has become yeah. a big fan favourite. Um, maybe can you describe to me a little about what inspired you to write that song? Did, yeah. it, did Was there connections with the gardening job you were doing and who you were doing it for or in the part of London where you were doing it? Yeah, uh, so I was a maintenance gardener um, in West London around, like, quite like nice parts like um, Kensington and Holland Park and Notting Hill. And um, we'd have, we'd work for several clients during the day going to different houses. And some of the clients happened to be like influential politicians. Okay. So there was kind of a strange feeling going into their houses, but it was something that I couldn't really say no to mm-hmm. because it was just part of my job. Um, and uh, yeah, just like, um, Around that time, I went to work one morning and I, I would start very early in the morning. And w- when I woke up, I saw in the news that the tower had, um, there had been a fire there. And so I went to work anyway. And um, and when I got there, uh, my boss was like, oh, like, work isn't happening today. All the roads are just blocked with like emergency services. I was just standing there looking in the distance. You could see all the smoke mm-hmm. and people were coming out of their houses and like, everyone was kind of just looking and like I was just crying and just thinking like oh god I feel so like you feel so helpless you can't help anyone and then this like juxtaposition of working in these politicians houses and like besides wealth it's that's not even like um important it's uh the like the safeness of their homes in contrast to Mm. how unsafe these people living streets away yeah and like like they had like complained about the safety and like these are people who could um help the situation they have that power within their community so it was like a lot of anger and just how there's kind of like no answer to it because there will always be those kind of people in people in society who are forgotten about so it's just like a sad Mm. (laughs) pretty dark songs yeah but are you really pleased with the response you've had to it and from fans and yeah, that it's on the album and yeah, it's yeah. important one. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's one of those songs that maybe you listen. I think for a lot of people they've heard it initially and not realised what it's about and just yeah, it it is quite. I guess it's quite like an upbeat, up tempo, euphoric song, but it's got this kind of darker uh, underlying yeah. meaning to it, uh, which I th- I think people have have liked and yeah, yeah have. It, like you said, I think it's become one of like the fans' favourites, at least when we play it live and stuff anyway. It's always yeah. got a good reaction. Cool. And did it inspire your... I've been following your little Instagram series 
Oh. The, the, is it a plant today? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. God, I've been a bit lazy. I love it. Isn't it? Oh, Especially all the magnolia stuff. <laughs> <laughs> love magnolia. The, sla- um, the slaves reference. Yeah, the slaves <laughs> reference. That was cool. Um, do you just have like a general love for plants, or is it? Yeah, I, I do. Really. Um, I kind of. Yeah, when I was younger, like my my parents are really into gardening, and I just always thought it was really plants are really nice and they're like something that can like improve a place in a like cheap and cheerful mm. immediate way so mm. yeah and you guys do you guys do a show on boogaloo radio we haven't done it for a while but okay. we used to we yeah did, we, yeah, we did a few it. last year but yeah, yeah we haven't, haven't had time recently because yeah, i found to do another one. your spotify playlist of like tracks that you've obviously included in that show and i was yeah. like it's such a it's like like for like rough trade. It's like what well, everything that we listen to <laughs> in the store. So you're like <laughs> so fitting for being a rough trade podcast and like, everything else. Yeah, so, yeah we really we try it. and like theme our shows. Yeah, kind of like what did like we do? We did television ads and film. Like, yeah, we did like yeah, like great songs from films. Yeah. And, yeah, I think that I mean, we are, we are, like we love the bands on rough trade. Yeah, yeah, a lot of what yeah. we listen to and inspires us is punk music yeah uh, like, like we love that Amal and Sniffers yeah it's great Amal, isn't it yeah. it is great they're yeah. great. They're great like especially a lot of stuff from the 70s and 80s yeah we love yeah. yeah no I was really enjoying it I was like this is a top playlist save to my collection okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I recommend checking that out if anyone's listening well thank you so much for chatting to me and thank you. could you pick a track oh, from your album that we pick? can play you pick um, your grand yeah yeah your grand <laughs> Wen Young, thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thank you. Darkness comes in like lightning. Daytime dances to midnight. Scared to death of the silence. Make last stories, hopes and kisses. Then you're on your own. Look the stars in the That was the wonderful Wen Young and their album Reasons to Dream is out now. 
So it was crazy busy over at Rough Trade NYC last week, and I don't believe George had time to get to the phone, which meant I didn't have time to miss it. So uh, be sure you check out at Rough Trade NYC on Instagram when they frequently share their staff picks and goings on at the store. Um, I'm sure you're all familiar with them. And if you're not, then head over and follow them now. Um, I am assured, though, that an incoming call is due next week. So stay tuned for that. So to round up today, I have a couple of songs to play us out back to back. First up is the new single from Metronomy. It's great. We're excited for a new album too, which will hopefully be with us in the not so distant future. Um, Look out for news imminently. Uh, Following that, I couldn't really close out today without a nod to Unknown Pleasure's 40th anniversary, of course, which was this past Saturday. So unless you've been living in a hole, it wouldn't have gone unnoticed because the internet and media was just awash with tributes. Um, So yeah, listen out for Joy Division and Interzone after this from Metronomy. This is Lately and I'll catch you next week. Bye.
Trade Radio. Reviews and subscriptions help to support what we do. So if you like what you hear, then please rate us on iTunes.